Dale, this is the second Sunday dealing with the topic of addiction. Next Sunday, we plan to be the last we deal with the topic. Deal with the topic because it is so prevalent. In fact, I guarantee there's people here who probably have addictions and even in denial about it. Uh, every family is touched in some shape, form, or fashion. When you have 2.1 million people who are blatantly addicted to opioids, and you take into consideration a half a million people who are heroin addicts, it's just in the United States, and most of them start out as uh, addicted to opioids, you take consideration that there are those who are codependent on each one of those, that's four people. So every family in some shape, form, or fashion is either touched directly or indirectly by the topics of addiction. And not just drugs, I wanna make this clear, that there are people who are, there are compulsive shoppers. And I see that so much this day and time, compulsive shoppers. People who are addicted to their electronic device. The whole situation is, the endorphins that flow from a person's body that will cause a person to seek escapism from their life. There are people who, there are military people, military knows this quite well, who uh, men will do one, two, three, four tours of duty. Why? Because they're literally addicted, addicted to adrenaline. They're, they are addicted to that supercharge of adrenaline. In fact, your adrenal gland will secrete a, con, a continuous supply of adrenaline for the person who is addicted to the point that their adrenal glands will literally shut down to recuperate itself. So, addiction, well, let me read you a classic uh, dictionary definition of addiction. A compulsive, chronic, physiological, or psychological need for a habit-forming substance, behavior, or activity having formal, I'm sorry, having harmful physical, psychological, or social effects and typically causing well-defined symptoms such as anxiety, irritability, tremors, or nausea, upon withdrawal or absence, the state of being addicted. Uh, right now our country is inundated with so many various types of addiction. So many men this day and time are addicted to pornography, but many of them are in denial. And the addiction to pornography is a very powerful addiction that is done in secret. Most addictions are done to a certain degree in secret. But the man who is, and not just the men, it's amazing the percentage of women now who are becoming more and more addicted to uh, pornography in, in subtle ways such as uh, the movie Shade, was it Shades of Grey and things like that, more of a romantic type, but nevertheless, uh, 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 pornographic stimulation. And it's because of the chemicals, the endorphins that the body releases, it's an escapism. And I'm telling you, the, uh, uh, and I can show you research, that some men, after they have viewed a, a certain amount of pornography, will literally have dilated pupils just like they were taken over. That's how addicted it is. And it's so readily accessible. And they, it is made to gear uh, towards men predominantly, but particularly towards adolescent men. And it, it's, it's men who are addicted to it uh, because they, the most time they don't have a proper social balance with their spouse or with other people. There's no need for interaction with another human being. Addiction is so predominant. And most times it is in... Leaves and name. So many addictions start out, well, this doesn't hurt nobody. This is, 
But there's what's called the law of diminishing returns. Whether it's drug, whether it's pornography, whether it's certain behavior, at first it seems harmless. But then to get the same sensation, more has to be added to it because the same thrill, the same movement of endorphins in your body diminish and require more and more stimulation. There are a couple fish burning, a couple fish swimming in the ocean. They're going past the sea, weaving through old wrecked ships and just looking for something. Finally, one fish asked the other, said, what are we looking for? And the other fish said, I heard there's a lot of water down here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so many people are in denial of what is blatant to so many other family members. And so many other family members who are codependent on the dependent person will make uh, excuses, will enable the person who is dependent. Why? For many reasons. The codependent them themselves will become addicted to, hello, come in Wichita. Let's do this. Hello? How's your battery look? Yeah, hello? battery hello? went dead. Hello? Okay. All right. Don't have to bring me a battery. I can tell this. It's not good. <laughs> Devil don't want this to go out. You wouldn't believe the week I've had. I had to deal with it. Come on. Hello? Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know what kind of touch no, screen he has. It definitely needs batteries. It needs batteries. Batteries. Need some batteries. Sorry about that. Network difficulties. Thanks for standing by. In any event, I use the illustration of the two fishes because of denial. Now, the codependent person gets a lot of pats on the back. I don't see how she puts up with all she does. I don't see how she is able to function the way she does. And sometimes, whether the she, she or he, it's just interchange there, gets a pat on the back which they become addicted to because of the euphoria that they feel as a result of that. But sometimes they will have a martyr complex themselves. I've got to do this. I'm doing it for the family. I've got to let keep the kids from knowing this, that, and the other. And so their whole lifestyle, their mentality is feeding upon the addiction of the other person. So many times when the addict becomes clean or free from the addiction, the family will explode. Because they've been focusing on the addict and not realizing that the codependent is just as much an addict as the addicted person to begin with. I want you to look in your Bible, if you will, to Romans chapter 15, verse 14. Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. 
And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, look at this, able also to admonish, or would you say instruct, or counsel, counsel one another. May God bless that reading. Here into our hearts, let's have just a moment's word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your holy word. Guide us in all things for your glory. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first step, you've heard this before, towards somebody being free from addiction is that they acknowledge their problem. In the 45 years that I've been a pastor, pastor slash counselor, I have talked to people, and within a few minutes, I've told them, I said, uh, glad you came by, glad you made an appointment, but uh, you're not down far enough yet. And man, they look at me like I slapped them in the face with a cold mackerel. As I'm telling you, you're not down far enough. You're going to have to go down further before you find the freedom you're seeking. Because I can tell right away they will make excuses. Well, I know I have this problem, or my wife gets on me about my drinking, or my wife gets on me about my gambling, or the husband says all she does all day is, is watch soap operas, and, and all she does all day is complain about this and the other. All she does all day is take her happy pills. Remember the, the Rolling Stones had that song about mama takes her little happy pills? The kids see that. We wonder how come so many kids turn to drugs. They see mom and daddy use alcohol for release. release. They see how they use uh, sedatives to get through the day. They see how they, uh, so many addictions that they have and realize what mom and dad is trying to escape from. So why not? Life's hard for a teenager. All the social pressure. In fact, we have that illustration I had last week. I told them about the first service, the second service, we were actually able to show it. Do you have that up there? The illustration? The last slide. What causes pop? It's the last slide. The last slide. And we're not talking about little hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> little illustration. I'm getting tired of looking at me. I'll just tell you about it again. <laughs> if they find it, we'll all rejoice. It's pain. Addiction starts out with pain. It may be loneliness. Did you get it? Bless you, bless you, bless you. I know that I, 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 I'd hate to be doing that up here. I really would, because you know the pressure's on them. Okay, you see over here, number one, pain, love, hunger, low self-esteem. There are some people that, I know one lady particularly comes to church here. She's had two of her children die. Her husband's handicapped. It just, she, she seems to have one of those lives that you think about, it, it could go wrong in her life and how she's able to go on and on. But it's amazing how some people will turn to something, uh, a substance abuse, if you will, and others don't. I have come to the conclusion over the years there's only one explanation. Either they are a Christian, or they have an unbelievable strength, or there's an addiction that's in secret. Because when you have so much pain, you got to have some relief. Have you ever had, now this is a rhetorical question, so don't raise your hand. Have you ever had so much pain that if, in fact, I told Linda this, when I had so, so much neck pain and leg pain and back, I mean, I'm not talking about pain, I'm talking agony. I would sit up at nighttime, tears running down my cheek, begging God just to let it quit for a little while. If somebody said, well, if we if you give you this medicine, there's a chance you'll be addicted. I'd say, I'll take the chance. You hurt so bad. And there are people who are so lonely 
Billy Graham said the number one disease in America is loneliness. You become so lonely that if you think you try something just for a little while, it gives you just a little bit of relief. And at first it seems innocent. But after that first time, you see, that's like now, I know that I can't, uh, I was watching a little thing on PBS channel called uh, 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 Bourbon Kentucky. It's talking about the making of bourbon in Kentucky. And man, they made it look so good. But see, I know me and where I came from, if I had that first drink, if I had that first drink. See, I was hospitalized for overdose. If I took that first drink, the next time I say, I just want to taste it, I want to see, the next time would be a whole lot easier to give into that temptation. And the next time after that would be a whole lot easier. Same way with this, it's going again. Same way with this. When you have the pain, you want some relief. So you go to the relationship, which can be in a, a dangerous, destructive relationship with somebody else. And yeah, leave that up for a second. How many times have you seen somebody that was in divorce or something like that, and they start dating somebody that you look at and say, what in the world were you thinking? You've heard the old expression, start dating them on the rebound. You'd be surprised over the years that people here at this church that I've seen go through divorce or even death of a spouse or whatever, and all of a sudden, within no time, they start dating somebody that you and I look at them and say, that's not the kind of person you need to be with. And next thing you know, they're out of church, aren't they, man? Yes. They're going out of church. They've left the church. I can give you a list, if, if I were so inclined, of people that I know if that's happened to you. So they go to that addictive nature, so they quit. Okay, i got to quit this. Then all of a sudden, the pain comes back again, the remembrance of the anesthesia, and not only that, but the feeling of guilt for what you've done. You see, when you take some type of substance abuse or even behavior, you may have temporary relief from your problem or your agony, but then after you, you have your low again, you have not only the problem you had before, but now you got another one. So what do you do? you got to have a little bit of relief. And you see the vicious circle. It goes on and on and on. That's to the point that uh, the repetitive use or the, pitiful, uh, the, the, the uh, continuous uh, involvement with a bad relationship becomes, quote-unquote, addictive. I've heard people say to them, there were five boys and three girls in my dad's family. Uh, Dad, Edwin, Charles, Billy. Who am I leaving out? Dad, Edwin, Charles, Billy. Huh? JC. I'm sorry, yeah. Five boys. Three of them were addicts. My one uncle, Edwin, Made all kinds of money. In fact, every one of the boys did. As a matter of fact, that was they, they were they were high strung. They were uh, people who man, they could make money on a flat rock. They were industrious. They were they were bright people. I'm just saying. Edwin made a tremendous amount of money working at Bethlehem Steel, being over uh, over their heating and air uh, department. As a result, uh, he was not only alcoholic, but he joined AA. He also had to join gamblers in office. He not only had a drinking problem, he could go through more money than Carter had little back pills. He, and see, that's the thing with AA. They may get you to stop a behavior, but that doesn't mean they do away or help you to treat the addiction. It's not a matter of just changing behavior. That's a symptom. The alcohol or the bad relationship that is a symptom of addiction. 
so many times I, I know of one fellow I went to high school with. Uh, great guy. He finally in church here got saved before he died. But uh, I used to go to the liquor store up here in North Johnson City and I'd buy a bunch of wine and stuff like that. He'd go up to the liquor store, buy uh, a couple of fifths of liquor, take the cap off, throw it out the window and say, won't need that again. He died of cirrhosis of the liver. But he was one of the nicest people you ever want to meet. His wife was a nut. That I could understand why he drank. I'm not being mean. I'm just being, being honest. She'd jump on him and start hitting him and clawing, and then she'd call the police and hurt herself to have him put in jail. Real sweetheart. When he was dying, she'd come up there to get him to sign a bunch of papers and such while he's dying, get his signature on some stuff. You see, there's some people that, from his perspective, perspective, he's hurt. He's hurting. You see, it's love hunger. You want somebody to love you, somebody to care. You want somebody who will love you because you are created to love and to be loved. And when you don't do it, you'll take a, a sad copy of what you really want. And it doesn't satisfy, it causes more problems. And so, some people have tried to tell me, just like with dad's brothers, that, uh, it's just physical. You'll find some people in medical that says, well, there's a genetic predisposition. If there's any genetic predisposition, it's just the environment. The environment. You see, you've heard the expression, God doesn't make junk. I don't think a person is born an addict unless you are the child of a mother who is an addict. That's the exception. But the environment of the same family will give the illusion that's their chemical biological makeup because it's the environment. It becomes physiological when you do the destructive behavior over and over again to the point that it does become a, a physiological as well as a psychological addiction. So now when we, we, we try to tell people that we can see the destruction that's like my uncles. I never will forget my uncle JC. Um, I shared this with you, I think, last week, the first second. My uncle JC, uh, all of dad's brothers and sisters, they were high functioning people. Uh, JC, dad would say, he was the smartest one of the whole bunch. We'd be in a room, he said, the room would not hold the books. He was a, I mean, just, you wouldn't believe how he would read constantly. But he became such a terrible alcoholic that he would, when you get to the point, as I got up to the emergency room in Josh City one night, and I was watching this guy, and I went up to the window, and I said, Miss, you better get somebody here uh, to take him on back. And he doesn't have to wait like anybody else. I said, uh, I'm telling you, he's getting ready to go into drunk and tremor. I'm telling you, you better get him back here, or he's going to freak out. I can see what he was doing. He, he was just he was getting tighter and tighter and tighter. She said, he'll just, I said, okay, all right. I went over and sat down, and man, the explosion hit. And he was all over the place. He was seeing things. He was screaming at things. I told the lady, I said, try to tell you. I saw it coming. My uncle JC would sit and talk to the TV. They said that he was alcoholic 
with schizophrenic tendencies when he was under the alcohol. Now think about it. Anybody under the alcohol is in a schizophrenic state of mind. He was one of the most loving persons in the world. And dad was going to take him to a hospital to get him some help. He got in the car with My mom was there too. He got in the car with him. He was sitting in the back seat. Dad said he's watching him in the mirror. You tell he's getting ready to freak. And he leaned forward. He said, you're all taking me somewhere, aren't you? He said, because of paranoia. He said, JC, we're going to take you where you can get some help. He says, all I can do to keep JC from jumping out the door. JC went to Mexico because he found that little check he got from the uh, government. He could live like a king. He had a house on the coast. He had a house in, uh, not black, it was uh, Lake Japan. Lake Japan. Uh, married a lady down there, started another family. And uh, because alcohol turns to sugar in your system, he, had st he became a diabetic. So he started doing pot and drugs down there. He came up to Laredo to the uh, Veterans Hospital up there to get his diabetic medicine. He came up to get his di diabetic medicine. Come back across the border, got in the hotel room, come downstairs and told the clerk at the desk, uh, call a doctor, I need some help. And you fell over dead. Years and years of alcohol and drugs. But you see, it wasn't alcohol and drugs that killed him. Addiction killed him. Alcohol and drugs and the, and the destroying of one family and their kids. I can tell you stories, stories about how each one, what happened to their lives, the kids' lives. It was just a downward spiral. You see, you could change the behavior. You, we could stop the behavior of JC for a while. You, you put an alcoholic in a jail and he'll stop drinking, but that doesn't mean the addiction is gone. And I know a way to stop the addiction. I know that's a bold statement. I don't know if we'll get all to it today, maybe to next Sunday. And I know there'll be people. You see, the scripture I had you read from Romans chapter 15, verse 14. The Greek word there for counsel or approach or instruct is nuthetico. Nuthetio, I'm sorry. Nuthetio. And what it means is to admonish, confront. You've seen on TV where they, and of course this is ridiculous. But you, you see where they intervene, they'll have a family member come in and everybody bombard them. To a certain extent, when somebody that you see who's having a horrible addiction problem, blatant addiction problem, as one-on-one, -on -one, according to Galatians, and just like we read in Romans 15, we need to go talk to that individual. But God's Word tells us in Galatians, consider yourself, lest you become or fall into the same temptation, same sin. So before you go sticking your finger into somebody else's face, realize you've got three fingers pointing back at you. But there comes a time that you need to confront them. And here's how the best way to confront somebody that you know has a destructive and dangerous addiction. There's so many addictions. It's hard to tell which is more dangerous than the other. But you write down the times, the dates, the activities. So that when you show that person, I want to show you, you know, maybe uh, Angie or Doug or Doug, I want to show you here on Tuesday, you didn't go to this meeting, or here you were out of work this many days, or any other thing. It's obvious you have a problem, you need help. I can quit any time I want to. They're not down far enough yet. And you have family and friends who have made it easy for them to have it. You'd be surprised. Jim, over the years, I would have a counseling session 
with a, a, somebody's wife. And of course, I have Linda here in the church somewhere. And, and uh, she'd sit there and tell me how horrible her husband is. Now, I've learned over the years, there's two sides to every story. You know, if they come in and tell me, he, I've heard this so many times, he is abusive to me. Does he hit you often? Well, no, he don't hit me, but he talks mean to me. Can you define what you consider mean? Well, he raises his voice. Just like the fellow I tell you about later, I raise my voice too, you know. So I listen to that, and then when I meet with him. And so she's sitting there, and I meet with him. And then I start saying, uh, I understand that you have uh, uh, a situation, relationship where you can become very angry. angry. And the wife, I've seen this happen a hundred times. The wife will say, well, he's not that bad, really. I'm looking at her like, lady, you're talking about him like a dog last week. And now she'll, she'll defend him while he's sitting there. Beats anything I've ever seen. <laughs> well, but he's a good daddy. He's a good provider. I'm looking at her like, where'd the lady go I met last week and talked about this guy like she, she said, and I said, you're, I've said this before. I've seen women sit there, particularly women, and not putting be men too. And I sit there and I've looked at a woman telling about the situation. I said, you're thinking about leaving your husband or not, aren't you? She said, how do you know that? I said, you've been sitting there pouring your wedding ring on and off the whole time you've been sitting there. She said, there's a lot of indicators. A lot of situations. There's a lot of hurting people. And I want to tell you this, and I know it sounds preachery, preachery and expected. The only way to be free from addiction is the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. You can go through AA, you can go through Gambler's Anonymous, you can go through any of these things, and you will change your behavior for a while, but you'll go back to something, to the same thing or something else. I told you about Bill Wilson, the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous last year. He stopped drinking, but he started using LSD. He not only started using LSD, he, he became a tremendous adulterer. But he didn't drink. He said, I just changed the behavior. Like my uncle JC, he stopped alcohol, he did drugs. My mom's sister, Kathleen, she had several kids. This is up in Baltimore, it's one reason dad got moved to Saturday when I was 10. He always said, the time our kids are 10, we're moving back home. And uh, Kathleen, not because they were my cousin, no exaggeration. She had a couple of daughters that were absolutely gorgeous. They could have been movie stars, I'm serious. And both died of overdose of drugs. It is epidemic proportion. I had another uncle that every time he went to the bathroom before he came to visit, you better go in there and clean out the medicine cabinet because he'd pop in his mouth anything he could find in there. I just often wondered how my dog treated me. I thought that was fun. <laughs> Did, didn't you, girl? Okay. See, some of you need to be addicted to laughter. But anyway, <laughs> we kind of chuckle at certain things. But when a person's in the night, you see, God's Word tells us in Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, in whom the God of this world has blinded their mind lest they should see the glorious gospel of Christ. You see, the devil comes, Jesus said, he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. 
I'm convinced that most addiction is demonic. Has a spiritual connotation. And here's something I can promise you. If you are not a truly born again Christian, it is definitely demonic. If you are not saved, there is a spirit there. Just like we sang in that uh, song, Dan, when we do the song in prison, uh, Smell of Death, got a monkey on your back, it's a demonic monkey. And it will ride you and it will whisper in your ear and say, yeah, you're hurting, you're hurting. Nobody cares for you. Another drink. You see, I can't have it around me. I, I have to take one of the lowest uh, pain medications so that I don't have to walk with a, 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 a cane or a walker. I did my nephew's funeral on a walker, a tramadol, and my doctor said that's lowest. But I tell you what, we got down there in Florida and Linda said, you're running out of your tramadol. And for a moment, I, I about panicked because I know the amount of pain. And like I said before, your pain, if you're not careful, when you don't get the opioid, which it diminishes, so many of the opioid addictions have gone to heroin because it's readily accessible and cheaper. We as Christians have to stop and realize what God's Word tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. There is no temptation but such as is common with man. And with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it in the evil day. If you were an addict and you become a born-again Christian for the first time in your life, as Romans 6 says, sin does not have dominion over you. The addiction cannot make you give in to it if you're a born-again Christian. If you're not, the devil can make you do whatever you want. He wants because you're his property. But I've seen so many people, they were not down enough. They have made too many safety nets. They said, well, I'll do this or I'll do that. To be truly free from addiction, you have to realize, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot be free of it at all. Now, if I'm talking to somebody who's an addict, and I've talked to many, many, many people, First thing that they have to do is Hebrews 11.6. Tattoo this on your brain. In Hebrews 11.6, God's Word says this. Those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. A person who does not believe there is a God is not going to be free from addiction. Why would you? Why would it matter? <coughs> but if you want to be free from addiction, you have to acknowledge there's a God. God's Word says it. Those who come to God must first believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. If you diligently seek God, that's when you can take access of the way of escape in every situation. I'm going to tell you this. No freedom from addiction is going to be easy. I've only seen one person on one person in my life, and I know he doesn't care me to share this. Reg and I know him well. Huh? I got five minutes. I got five minutes? What are you addicted to the clock? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Joe Parker. Uh, I went to school with him. He and his brother and I were close friends all through school. Never knew anybody to use as many drugs as he did in my life. 
He would do so much needle drug that he'd wipe the needle on his jeans and you'd see all the blood stain. I mean, he just, I never seen him. He would haul and sell more drugs at one time in his life. When he turned his life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, he had no withdrawal, no nothing. Gone just like that. I only know one person. And I've talked to other addicts. So why doesn't God do that for me? Why do I still have to battle every day? I've come to the conclusion over the years that God knows exactly what each individual needs. God knew that if he delivered Joe from it, that's all it would take for the rest of his life to be grateful. And there are some people that will be grateful for the initial deliverance, but then will go back to it. Those people need to put their hand in the nail scar hand every day and walk with Jesus. You first must believe that there is a God and that he is your rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do not be deceived and thinking, well, God's going to take off. You see, so many times people are looking for another pill to deliver them from the addictions that they have. There's only one pill that will do that. The gospel. like that? I got a few chuckles on that one anyway, really. The gospel. I'm telling you, folks, just in my own life, just in... I have an addictive personality. I never do anything half measures, do I, Lynn? I know what my problem is because, and I know this, that if it were not for Jesus Christ, I can say it's all assurance. I would not be standing here today. I know many people say, but I'm telling you, not, this is my hyperbole. If I did not know Jesus Christ, who delivered me, who saved me, and day by day I could put my hand in his nail scarred hand, I would either be dead or in prison without a doubt. That's why I need him. I, I need to be in prayer every day. I need to read the Bible every day. Not just because I'm a pastor. I need that fix, if you will, to keep my behavior and my addictive nature in check. Now, I'm running out of time. We're going to go into depth. Here's something else that has to be for any addict to be free from the addiction. If he's free from the addiction, he or she's free from addiction, they will be delivered from the behavior. Here's another prerequisite. You ready? Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for, re for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or mature in every good work. First must believe there is a God. Secondly, you have to believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. If you do not believe in those, you will not be delivered from the addiction. You can't just choose to pick, well, I believe most of the Bible. Don't come to me to get help. There's no use. You're stuck. You're, you're going to be an addict until it kills you. You have to believe that there is a God that they, he is a rewarder of them that seek him. And you have to believe that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the inspired and errant word of God. In so doing, you realize that it is God breathed, that is from the Lord, and God is a gentleman, and God cannot lie. And if his word says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you don't have those two, 
you will stay in that. If you want to be free from your addiction, I don't care what it is. If you believe there's a God and you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, you're well on your way to being free from the bondage the devil's got you in. The devil has you in. Amen? Let's stand for you, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you are, say, and do. We thank you for your, your holy word. We thank you that you are the God who rewards those who seek you and that you are the God who cannot lie. Father, I pray for those who have addictions that they will stop denying, that they will realize that they need you. They need to be set free. For whom, as your word says, for whom you have set free is free indeed. That they know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But you have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Father, I pray if anyone here today doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, they pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord, my God, and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and Jesus prays invitational, please come to the front of the church. just as devastating in so many ways. Like I said before, workaholism, that's the one addic uh, addiction that other people will pat you on the back and say, man, you're a hard worker. And yet he robs time from his family, from his wife, from his, her husband. Uh, it, just, it can be just as destructive. So many uh, addictions. As I said before, you see right now because of the availability of such as Amazon products and such, people are addicted to a mood of buying because it gives them such a, uh, a flood of feelings of expectation. Anything to, to try to escape reality. I'm going to give you more of the reason and the answer for that, Lord willing, next week.
Father, keep us from going out and coming in and bring us back safely to point in time. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen.